0: Listen, if you, tell some, if, if, if you can tell something, something really that's not true. If you say it too often, if you say it too, too long, you're going to believe it yourself, even though it's a lie. But this one is true. So as you say it, faith begins to rise up because you are hearing it yourself. And faith comes by hearing. You are hearing it yourself and faith in that thing begins to build up in you. You start believing those things. You may not believe them when you start off, but with time you start believing them. You see the difference between where you didn't believe them and where you believe. Why? Because it has penetrated into you. It has penetrated into you. It's taking root now, and by saying it, you have given a better understanding, a deeper understanding of what you are saying. So it's penetrating deep into you, getting rooted in your mind, and it produces. A shield of faith for you. It produces a shield of faith for you. So when anything contrary comes, you've been saying this longest time, you won't hear them. You won't hear them. Because these words have been rooted in you and now form the shield in your mind. That's what you say all the time. Anything contrary comes, it will evaporate it straight away. It's like you've learned to swim before drowning comes. So it gets it rooted in you, produces faith in you, gives you a deeper understanding of it, and fulfills verse 21. which says, don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. You see what praising does? Then, this is amazing, the verse 22 comes in to pass now. Verse 22 of that proverb begins to do something for you for they bring life to those who find them. You see, it produces this life. Those things you are thanking God for and healing to their whole body, those things you are praising God for, which have become faith in you now, which has become grounded in you now, they produce reality. They produce life. They produce reality because faith has come. Let me give us an example. If I'm praising God always for my healing, mean every day, and I do that by the grace of God as often as I can. I praise God for my healing every day, as often as I can. If I'm doing that, and we're doing that, and we're acknowledging that every day, and we're thanking Him that He laid our sins on Jesus and laid our infirmities on Jesus. As the scripture said, if I'm thanking him that by the stripes of Jesus I was healed, if I'm thanking him for how the spirit of Christ is in me and giving life to my mortal bodies, if I'm thanking him that the Lord of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the Lord of sin and death, if any symptom comes, it falls on those things and evaporates. Because my mind is full of this world. There's no space for anything outside. It quickly evaporates. Don't even have time to give it a thought because there's no space. The same thing now in other areas of the benefits of, of the cross. Blessings of Abraham. If you thank him every day that you are blessed, that you are not under the cross. You make a habit of thanking him, you are not under the cross. You are blessed going out, you are blessed coming, and it takes root in you and produces the faith. The reality will come in your circumstances. You see, your circumstances changing. It produces that life. And now, let's come to the new life. If I thank him for the new life I have, if I'm thanking him daily, many times a day, for making me a new creature, crucifying my own nature on the cross, If I'm continuously giving thanks, always thanking him that my own nature of sin has been crucified. That I'm now a new creature, created in true holiness and righteousness. And that sin shall not have dominion over me. If I really take time to thank him for my deliverance from the power of sin, that the power of sin in my life is crossed on the cross. Before long I believe, I start believing it. Before long, it becomes my belief system. may not make sense to me, but I keep saying it in thanks and worship. Before long, I start believing it. And before long, it takes root in me. The Spirit of God begins to give me a revelation of what I'm saying. It begins to be rooted in me. Guess what happens? It produces this life. It produces, the Bible says if you find it, it becomes life. It produces the spirit life. Because the seed has been sown in me and I've watered it and it's producing. John describes it this way the result the Word of God produces. In 1 John 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which is the Word, which you have had, you see, you say it and you hear it, you praise God and you hear it, which we have seen with our eyes, it begins to be real, it begins to be reality which you have looked upon, you see the result in real life, and our hands have handled of the word of life. It produces as you have heard it, as you say it from your own mouth. See, Paul, there was a time Paul did not know Jesus well. And he said so. And it affected his life. Because, you see, until you believe the truth, it won't work. It won't work. Jesus said, only believe. And you see the glory of the word of God. You see the glory of the new life. You see the glory of your healing, glory of your deliverance. It's, It's important that we understand this. And so, because Paul did not know Jesus. He knew Jesus from his natural point of view, from his wisdom. And that's not how you know Jesus. Jesus said, flesh and blood cannot reveal me to you. You can't know me by human wisdom. Only my father, only the Holy Spirit. Look at Paul. He did not realize he was a new creature. Didn't really make any much impression on him. Like he's this with many Christians today. All this, uh, you know, if any man is in Christ, all things are passed away. It's just what we say. In Galatians 1, 15 to 16, something happened to Paul. Something changed. In Galatians 1, 15 to 16, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then he pleased him to reveal, see what I'm talking about? To reveal his son to me. To reveal his son to me so that I will proclaim the good news now about Jesus to the Gentiles. It pleased God to reveal his son to me. So the revelation brought him into this knowledge in 2 Corinthians 5.15. What I'm trying to say is that when you come into a revelation of the word of God, you have the same experience. It transforms your life. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Flesh and blood. Human wisdom. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. See what I'm saying? Mentally accepting, mentally talking about Jesus won't produce the result. It won't produce the result. He says, how differently we know him now. There's a difference now. We know him in a different way. We know him by the revelation of the Spirit. How differently we know him now. This means then that what I now know, this is what I now know. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. Who brought us back to Himself through Christ? See, this is what He knows now. He said, "I've come to realize that. Wait a minute, I didn't know Christ before, and I know Him differently. Wow, this truth is this is true that I'm a new creature. I'm not what I used to be. If you don't believe this from your heart, you are not gonna live it." You can say, dance about it, may not know it. You may not know it. Because to, to, the proof that you know it is that it's manifesting, it's producing life. The proof that you know it is that it is producing reality. That's the proof that you know it. You can talk about it, think about it, even tell people about it, may not know it. So Paul said, I came into this revelation of who Christ is, and I realized wait a it. I'm not who I used to be, for real. And so when he began to understand what Jesus did for for him, he realized that Jesus did this for everybody. I want to show you how he changed his life. He came into living the spirit life. Simply because he came into revelation and faith arose in him. And you can see what what the the reality it produced in him. So it's not just talk and talk. Dance about it. But where is this fruit? Where is the fruit? If the seed is there, where is the fruit? Where is the fruit? If the word is there, the seed of God, where is the fruit? I want to show you the fruit of this thing he has come to know. He has come to believe. So when he began to realize that, wait a minute, that Jesus really died for the whole world. And that if anyone be in Christ, anybody in him is a new creature. Something happened to him. He realized then that he has a a responsibility. And this responsibility is, I want you to listen to me. That because Jesus died for everybody, so that the love of Christ is for everybody. He didn't die only for Paul. He died for everybody. So that what he saw was Jesus died for everybody, which means Jesus gave his love out to everybody. He gave forgiveness out. He gave mercy out. He gave compassion out. Paul said, wait a minute. Wow. He did this for us. He said, then we too, listen to this. We too cannot hold the love of God. We too now must give out the love of God to everybody. Because that's the life we have received from Christ. That same life that gave out the love of God to everybody is the same life we have received from Christ. Paul said, then selfishness is gone. Selfishness is dead. Because now the life that Jesus had, which he transferred to me, he gave me. Gave love to everybody. He died for everybody. So I'm obligated now to live that life. And the way I live it is to give his life out to everybody, everybody. So I'm no more thinking of myself like he was not. He was thinking of everybody else. You see how that changed his life. And number two, he fell in love with, with Jesus. Now let, let's read it. Second Corinthians 5.14. Now he has come to know Jesus. Now he has come to realize who he is now faith has arisen look at what happened here second Corinthians 14 either way Christ's love controls me You see he said because the life I received is his love is his love so that love is what works in me now I'm a new creature I'm not Paul I used to be this love gives love for everybody so the same love the love of Christ, the life of Christ makes me give love to everybody. It controls everything I do. That's the spirit life. It controls everything I do. Look at what he said. Either way, Christ's love controls us since we believe. Remember that when you praise him, the world penetrates you. Faith will come. And when faith comes like this, it will produce life. Since we believe that Christ died for all. Christ died for all, died for everybody, not just for me, but for everybody. We also believe that we we all died to our own life. So that the only thing left now is that life of Christ, that life of love is what we live, which means we become agents of his love, and his love is for everybody now. He died for everyone so that, Those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Exactly what he said. Those who receive this new life are going to live the same life that made Jesus give his life for everybody. So that when you go, you give your life for everybody too. You release the love of God to everybody too. Selfishness dies. You begin to live the same life that Jesus lived. A life of love. He said 15. He died for everyone. He died for everyone. He gave his love to everyone. So that the Christian gives his, the same love he has received, the same life he has received to everyone. So that those who received his new life, we no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised from the for, for them. He died and was raised for them. He gave us a new life. What is this new life like? Paul said, "Oh wow, I saw him. He died for us, everybody. So I've received this life that dies for everybody too. So quit means I laid down my life for everybody. So it's not me number one. It's all that's first. That's the spirit life. So if we praise God every day, that we are new creatures. Like Paul, we come into realization. What that new creature means we begin to understand what that new creature means it's not just singing it talking about it but not come coming around to live in it brother I'm telling you Jesus said by their fruits you shall know them those who love like me are my disciples So if I come to understand, I have a revelation of the life I have received because I thank him every day for it and the the truth is being rooted in me and I realize wait a minute he died for everybody including those who are so-called enemies. He died for them. So his life does not discriminate. His love is for everybody. Mercy for everybody. Forgiveness for everybody. And if I have received, received the same life, like Paul said, then I should no longer live for myself like he didn't live for himself. So I'm going now to live the same life because I'm controlled by the same life of Jesus. I am controlled by it to be able now to love people, love your enemies, love everybody, and stop living a selfish life that leads to living in the flesh. Flesh is basically selfish. It's all about me. It's all about what I get. The pleasure and joy, I, I, I don't even care how it affects anybody else. That's what flesh is. But the life of the Spirit is selfless, it's love. Jesus gave his life for all. You see how it will change our lives? If we really do this. Second part of this Bible teaching we are doing. Is the scripture gave us the proper motivations that will keep us following Jesus and seeking this and I'm talking about in in part A, in part A, in part A. Because I sat in my house and the Lord said to me, you know why Christians, they don't bother to change they really don't bother with it. A lot of people don't bother. Some do, some don't. He said, "Do you know why they don't bother with it?" Say because they're following me with the wrong motive, and many do not know my son. That's what I came to understand that he was. He didn't say to me in language, like, but I understand what he was trying to. My heart, my spirit was picking up, picking up. If we have the same motive that the world has, if we are motivated by the same thing that motivates the world in our relationship with Jesus Christ, the thing that motivates the world is earthly values, earthly riches, earthly gains. They don't know God, so they don't know anybody. So the only thing that motivates them is earthly values, earthly riches. If we are motivated by the same thing that motivates them and satisfies them, we will not be interested in spiritual things. Even though we go to church, we will not be interested in spiritual things. We will not be sufficiently invested in the kingdom of God. Because we have been satisfied with the things of a different kingdom. It's motivated us. We are happy there. I have a job. My children are going to school. All is well. I'm satisfied by the values of this kingdom values of this world, values of a different kingdom. So the values of the kingdom of God don't really count much because, come on, man, I built a house in the village. Are you kidding me? I have a house in America. I have a fast bank account. I have four jobs. My children are doing well. So what are you talking about? What else? Really? And people who have that kind of motivation in life, Never pursue the things of the kingdom seriously, because they are satisfied. They are satisfied, and that's why people come to church and they buy toys and buy games for their children right in church, because they, th- they don't pursue the things of the kingdom. They see no value in it, so they have come to be satisfied. After all, one is coming, man. So let me buy my children games in church. In church. His children may not be going to church. It doesn't bother him as long as they are passing in university, making good grades. Because his motivation and his satisfaction is based on the things of this world. For which the heathens also base their own social rating and everything. The things of the kingdom don't matter much. Even though he goes to church, or oh, even though he goes to church and dances there. has everything, all is well. And the reason all is well is because his his aptly values gives him satisfaction. But the kingdom things don't give him satisfaction. Because his motivation is wrong. The same motivation, the same thing that drives the world, drives him. He has a good care, good retirement, good insurance. So all is well. Life is good. Hmm. Let's see a church that uh, practiced that. That's why many don't change. Because they don't see why they should. No, Things are good now. What are you talking to me about? Studying Bible. <laughs> what are you talking about? I have four jobs. Do your children go to church? Eh, sometimes you know these children now. <laughs> really? Oh, but you know this one is. Uh, University of Texas. University of this one? They so well, wonderful. God is good. All the time. does, he go to church. Hey, you know these children. Uh, just they manage them so. Because if kingdom values doesn't have no value at all, at all. it's one thing. He has measured it as the world measures things. Look at this church here. Look at this church here. Revelation three seventeen. Because that says, I am rich, and increased with good. I have need of nothing. I have need of nothing. What are they talking about? How about the eternal life? Jesus give you I mean, I'll be Christian, I deliver, I'm sooner. The kingdom riches. He's not really so invested in it. He bears grudge has enemies, it gossips, it doesn't matter. Because got a job, man. What are you talking about? Because that says, I am rich and increased with goods. I have need of nothing. I've arrived. <laughs> you are motivated with the same motivation the world lives their life. And the Bible says, and knowest not thou that thou art wretched? You miss the real riches. I'm miserable. I'm poor. I'm blind. and naked. You don't see nothing. Verse 18 gives us a counsel. I canceled thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. I have gold. You don't know it. In the kingdom of God, I have gold. Want to be rich? I have something better than those things. And why remain? I have righteousness to give you. That thou mayest be clothed. You are naked and that thy shame the shame of their nakedness do not appear, and anoint their eyes with ice left that thou may see. Come, let me give you a revelation of truth, of life, of the things that matter most. So you can change your choices. The choices you've made, they are the things that perish. They have no eternal values. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. And he spoke a parable unto them saying the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully and he thought within himself saying what shall i do because i have no room where to bestow my fruits? now he said this will i do i will pull down my barns and build greater and there I, will, there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods 19. and i will say to my soul so that I has much goods laid up now for many years Take that ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Bible studies, oh, you know, pastor, I don't have too much time. I don't know. How about serving in the church? Ah, pastor. <laughs> you don't want to serve Jesus? I want to. <laughs> Let me take the work I can do. Why? I have my satisfaction with worldly stuff. That's why I'm invested. All my time, all everything. That's why I'm invested pastor. You have no idea. Where where I really, really am interested. Because that's my motivation for life. I'm following Jesus for them. So he will give me more. Verse 20, 20. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall all those things be which thou hast provided? So so is he that let up treasure for himself and motivated by it, satisfied by it, and is not rich in the things of the kingdom of God. There is no time for the riches of Christ. Then Jesus made this statement in the same Luke chapter 12 in verse 29. And seek not ye what you shall eat or what you shall do. He said, don't don't be motivated by this thing that the world is motivated by. He said, neither be ye of doubtful mind. Don't doubt. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. That's what their value system. And your father knows that you have need of all these things. Yes, you have need of them. But rather, seek ye for the kingdom of God. Let your motivation be because of the things in a higher kingdom. Where the rarities are. The things that don't perish. And Jesus does not approve us following him because of these things that perish. In John 6, verse 26, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. See what I mean? Their satisfaction comes from the worldly things they own because I feed you. Not because you understand the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food, clothes, money houses spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the son of man can give you for god the father has given me the seal of his approval he said hey get invested in the eternal life i brought you i died to give you it's more important than your shoe and your car and everything these ones will perish here and one day you leave this earth six feet below Get invested in the eternal life, the life, the spirit life. I brought you, I died, I gave you life. Paul discovered that life. He said, wow, wow, I have this life that Jesus had. See how it manifested. He died for all. So that's the way that life manifests. So I'm going to die for all. (laughs) I'm going to die for all. This life will control me. The love will control me. Jesus said, get invested in things like that. They are more important than your car. What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose the, and lose his the soul? They are more important than all this. God said, I know you need this." things. He said, don't doubt me. I'll provide them for you. But, but don't be motivated with the same motivation the world is motivated. Don't let your satisfaction be in those things. Let your satisfaction be in things on, higher than the world. There are two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. A Christian must understand that and make up your mind what motivates you. What is your value? What's important for you? Seek you first, the kingdom of God. Jesus said, don't follow me for, for things that perish. Follow me for, the, get motivated by my kingdom and what I did for you on the cross. Get invested sufficiently to know them, to possess them, to live in their reality. Let it be your, the thing that keeps you awake. I don't mean to worry. What I mean by keeping away is that that is important to you. First Corinthians fifteen nineteen, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. It's a miserable thing. It's a miserable thing. And so the scripture gave us three motivations. God gave us three proper motivations. The world doesn't know about it, it doesn't motivate them. They don't get their satisfaction from it, but we should get from it. He said, number one, be motivated by the love for the kingdom. Number two, look forward to to the coming of Jesus. And number three, the crown that Jesus promised us should be our motivation. The things of the kingdom we should love more than the things of the world. We should look forward to the coming of Jesus. I don't even know whether we remember, we talk about that, but does it really motivate us? And there's a crown that Jesus said I will give. You will see how the Holy Spirit put these things down, that we should be motivated by a different set of values than the world is motivated. Let's read them. The love for the things of the kingdom. Colossians 3. Verse 1, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what God said. If you are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, the things in the kingdom, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Seek the kingdom values. Set your affection on things above, not things on the earth. Church, Christians... Whatever, wherever, whatever is your treasure, that's where your heart will be. That's where we invest your time and money. God said, Let this above be your treasure. Let, where Jesus is. Let the things of the kingdom, the things of the cross, the new life He gave us, the things He died to provide us. Let it be, let it be our motivation. Let's go for it. Paul said there's nothing to compare in value. Nothing compares in value like knowing Jesus. He understood his values. He said all these things are done. And they don't value anything anymore. I don't have value for them. This is why I'm invested. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. Verse 4. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall you appear with him in glory. Those are the things that we talking about now. About the coming of Jesus. Should be a motivation for us in following Jesus. Now you know, my affection can be on high unless I love Jesus. Unless I love He who is there. My affection can be. It can be. Let me tell us a story. Long time ago, University of Edinburgh, there was a female student. <clears throat> Who hated mathematics? She hated mathematics so much that she made a point of letting people know that she hated that subject. So it was a public knowledge she hated mathematics. Then she fell in love with a man. The man fell in love with her. She loved this man. The man was the best mathematician in the campus. Guess what happened? Immediately, the girl began to love mathematics. (laughs) <laughs> the began to love mathematics. Why? Because the object of her love loves mathematics. You can't love the things on high unless Jesus is the object of your love. Brother, we're not talking about talk. I'm telling you the real truth. If Jesus becomes your treasure, things on high where he is become your treasure too. Watching this girl? Love for a man. (laughs) And you know, if you love somebody, you love everything about it. Women know that if a woman loves you, it loves everybody your family, your sisters, your mother. Your mother becomes her best friend. I'm not a woman. I don't know whether I'm right, but I think so. And how do we find the love of God? Faith John 14. Hearing is love. Hearing is love. Not that we love God, but He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, you see what I'm saying? If you have the seed in you, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. If we have this love of God in us, we love the same way God loves. You know, it it is difficult to convince some Christians that many, some people who go to church, they don't love Jesus. And I want to shock you. They don't even believe in him as such. Their faith in him is on the surface mental thing. But inside of them, it's another stuff. altogether. It's difficult. Because say, how can you say that? I go to church. I do this. I do that. But the proof is simple. Verse 11. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another like that. Period. If I love God, it will show in the fruit. <laughs> the fruit is... What Paul said, he died for all, so I died for everybody. Period. Love everybody. The Bible says, how can you say you love God when you don't love people? It's Simple. You know, let let me tell us a story. It was T.L. Osborne. He went in there to preach. And then, you know, the Muslims challenged him. And they said to him, prove to us that Jesus is God. That Muhammad is not God, that our own book is not the right one. Prove it to us. So he didn't have what to tell them. He got confused and came back to America. He had this real story. Now, if somebody told T.L. Osborne at that point that he didn't believe in Jesus, he would not believe. It. He would say, I do. That was a mental thing, mental accident. So he came back to America and locked himself up and cried and said, Lord, I failed. They were asking me to, show, to prove to them that you are God, you are Lord, and Muhammad is not. I had no proof. I didn't know what to tell them. He stayed alone for, I think, a day or two, crying. All of a sudden, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, appeared to him, stood there looking at him. Brethren, do you know what he said? He's real. He is real. Before then, he wasn't real to him. Yeah, he went to preach him. Paul said, when he pleased God to reveal his son to me, that's when I preached it. He's real. He's real. I mean, this is somebody who went to preach. in an, He was so convinced. He went to preach in another nation. And all that Jesus showed him is that he really don't believe that I am, that I exist. That was why. He had no faith in me. So, T.L. Osborne packed his things, went back to India. And now they came out in droves. They said, you're back. He said, I'm back. He said, okay, prove to us that Jesus is Lord. He said, all the sick people here, come out. I'm going to pray his name. He heal all of you. He just, simple prayer, there was massive healing. And people were throwing away their Qurans and throwing away everything. And coming to see the living Jesus. Brethren, can this be anybody's experience too? That it Jesus can appear. I say, oh, it's real. I thought you said we believed in him. I thought we said we loved him. Only the Holy Spirit can give us a revelation of who Jesus is. You may not have to see him in a vision. But to see this scripture, hearing his love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation facet. Only the Holy Spirit can give me and you the revelation of the love of God right there. And that love will make us love Jesus. And then we can love the things on high where he is. The other motivation that he gave us is looking forward to his coming. That's exactly what we read in that scripture that uh, we read before. In uh, Colossians 3 verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Then shall you also appear with him in glory. This thing motivated the early church so much, so much, the coming back of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was real to them. He was real to them. So the Bible said we should be motivated by his coming. 1 John 3, 2. Dear friends, we already God showed them, But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. Now, what does this expecting him to come back do? Look at verse 3. All who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as is pure. All who have this eager expectation, their motivation is beyond these things that perish. They're focused on the more, more important things that Jesus is coming back. All who have this eager expectation. I don't know how many people who have this eager expectation. Who are motivated by his coming back. You see, what they do is they will purify themselves. They will walk to grow in the new life. They will clean up the inside that people don't see. They're not going to be comfortable because, you know, People think I'm good. No, they know they need to walk and purify themselves. All who have this eager expectation. You see what that motivation does. Now, let me tell us something. You know, if you're expecting a lover, I mean, if you're engaged, you're expecting your are spouse. To, uh, spouse? Spouse? No, it's not. Is a spouse. Suitor. You are suitor to come. Thank you, Craig. You are suitor to come. When it's coming, you go and shower, perfume up, go to the mirror, check yourself up. Why? Somebody important to you is coming. A regular visitor comes, you don't go and shower, you don't do anything like that. But when this special person is coming, you go and shower and change and even ask your friends if this is good. And if you all these girls they giggle and say, "Yeah, it's good though. Tony is coming." Yeah, then you can change and put some, you know, perfume, some some, some, some Susurubi perfume, you know, just to smell better. You don't do that for regular people. That's what the scripture is saying, "If Jesus is of any important value to us, and His who we say He is, He's coming. say we purify ourselves too. We go shower, put on our perfume. We purify ourselves and wait for Him eagerly." Number three motivation is the promise of his crown that he promised us. Revelation 3, 11. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast, which thou hast, that no man take that crown. Brethren, you, you, you need to know what this thing means to the first church. This promise of crown, what it means to the first church. That even in resisting temptation, James said this promise will make you resist temptation. So you don't miss your crown. Look at it, James 1, 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. Which the Lord has promised to those who love him. He see the motivation to resist temptation. Because temptation can offer you Earthly values, things, pleasures of the flesh—the pleasure you get, excitement you get from it—temptation can offer you praise of men. Temptation can offer you, you know, approval by men. It can offer you things of the value of the world. But James said, if you understand that is this crown that is greater in value than any of these things, he said you will resist temptation because of that crown he's promised you. Because you are going to be approved by him. Forget about the approval of men. He even talks about such leaders being motivated by that crown as the leadership of God. 1 Peter 5 3. He said, We should not run it over Christians, neither as being lost over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. To lead them by example. for And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive the crown of glory that faded not away. You see, we see how every writer is pointing the church that you need to be motivated by this crown. The promise of that crown should be important to us. That crown is of more value than any pleasure, anything the world can offer us. Paul. 2 Timothy 4:8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. You see what motivated Paul? Crown of righteousness. Quit the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Paul was motivated by this crown. The motivations that the scripture prescribes for us to be able to follow Jesus. Motivation of the love of the things of the kingdom. Eternal life. The benefits of the cross. Motivation of his coming again. Like a lover waits for a, a lover that is coming. and motivations of the crown that Jesus promised us. These things can keep us and make us resist temptation. Because temptation will offer you something. That's why it's temptation. We offer you something. But Jesus is offering us a crown. Let us pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you again because you have laid it out to us. Living the life of the spirit it may not be important for people whose value is the things of this world who get their satisfaction from the things of this world and they don't value the riches of the kingdom of God. You've told us that we need to be motivated by, by three things. You laid it out all for us so that we will walk like Paul press forward press forward. Even when people don't see us, we are motivated by things of greater value. We are motivated by you, by your coming, by the love of your kingdom, by the crown you promised us. Because one day we leave this earth and all these things we have that are here, they will no more be ours. Once we close our eyes, we cease to own nothing. It is wisdom to listen to you. Help us to listen to you. So that we will really now be invested sufficiently to be able to live the life of Christ. And not be satisfied because we have cars and jobs and this. And it doesn't matter whether we bear anger, whether we are doing this, gossiping. do doesn't really bother us because we are not invested in the kingdom. Help us to change all of that. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.